0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Epic Tales from the Sewers. I am your host, Justin. With me, as always, is my bodacious co-host, Andy Doyle, and our special guest, Mr. Scott Cromer from Cromer Comics. We are together again to be talking about the next issue of The Last Ronin. Hey, gentlemen, how are you? Fantastic. Doing great. All right. Good to hear. Ready to dive in. We've got some uh, predictions and, and hopefully some some thoughts on what's going to happen in this issue. And I, I know you guys are looking forward to it just as much as I am.
1: Well, you know what? I've got the strangest feeling of deja vu. So yeah. don't have to forgive me.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah.
2: Next yeah. week can't come soon enough.
0: Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm with you. So, and uh, you know, hopefully, uh, hopefully we'll we'll be reading it at this time. I uh, I can tell you, I stopped by the local comic shop today, and I picked up the third printing of uh, Last Ronin number no. one. So now I have that one, making that my thirteenth cover.
2: Nice, nice.
0: Ooh, I have stopped at twelve. All right, hurry up and Good. get another one. Uh, no, it's the next nothing. one will be the director's cut. So, and the director's cut is going to be going for eleven ninety nine and come out. I want to say uh, end of March.
2: I think that's about right.
0: Yeah, yeah. Oh, so I don't know. I,
1: I, I got off easy on mine. Then I pre-ordered it for I think nine bucks. But
0: hey, who split yeah. hairs? I think I think the the cover price is a little bit more on that one because it's a thicker book. But yeah. one thing I could say um, about the last round number one is that the irregular size of the book made it very difficult to get it into a board and back. Uh, what I have seen from this one is something that. Uh, I didn't know until today. The sizing of this book has been modified by IDW so it now fits in the standard magazine-sized bags and boards as opposed to the other one, So, cause it was as thin as a comic before, but it was just way too long. So it had to go in like a magazine. So it's just yeah. kind of free floating space in there. So it looks like they're kind of tweaking them to go with the market and, and what everybody wants. Cause they realize that people really want these books and they want to hold on to them.
2: Well, yeah. And you also want them to fit into your collection when you have something yes. that is oddly shaped like that. It just kind of, I don't want to say it sticks out like a, you know, a sort of nail, like or, a turtle or, or, and a, like a, Sort of like a turtle,
1: <laughs> like a giant tortoise in an overcoat. Yeah, 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 yeah.
2: Exactly.
0: Well, I don't you right, can yeah, put you them know. sideways in magazine boxes, which are kind of like the the comic boxes that are just a little bit wider, but, but half as tall. So those are meant for quote unquote,
2: periodicals, magazines, things like that. I I do have them in my magazine box, but I can, I can point it right out where, where they are at because, you know, (laughs) it's not the same size as everything else. So it's throwing my OCD into like overdrive. Oh yeah.
0: Well, I mean, that's, that's probably something that a lot of comic book people have, because I I can't tell you how many times I've gone through my collection and rebagged and boarded them because the bags got old and stuff. And, Uh Yeah. You know, and I just don't like some of the mylar that you get. And it's like, oh, I don't like this one. It feels like the back of a, a balloon or something. It's just mm. like,
2: w- like weird. So I know what you mean.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's so I understand what you're saying about OCD. So <laughs> o- OCD aside, let's talk about this. Uh, this is the last Ronin issue number two. It is called The First to Fall. As we saw in the first one, um, you know, I, I, I'm going to assume that everyone's listening to this has read the last Ronin number one. So we're not going to be throwing any spoilers out there. If you haven't read it, stop listening right now and go, go listen to the episode that we did where I actually cover the issue. But um, (laughs) importantly, um, why are you listening to a preview for the second issue? So, but um, that said, Last Ronin number one happens. We see all the all the events that go, and then we get to the end, and we find out that it's none other than Michelangelo. April calls him out by name. So now we're going to be picking up where a very infirmed Michelangelo has gone on this... Uh, Mission of revenge he's hurt he's damaged by these ninjas he fell out of a window all kinds of glass everywhere he was losing blood and, and nearly committed harikari in the uh in the sewers you know uh, to try to regain his honor and uh, he was rescued by jones whoever jones is uh we we assume it's going to be someone related to casey jones and he ends up in the sewer in a medical bed um being treated by april o'neill so that's that brings everybody up to speed of kind of where we are right now. So where do you guys think that this is going, and um, what are your what are your thoughts on on where he is right now?
1: Well, I think that again with all the wrath imagery that we're seeing on the cover, I, I'm sticking with my theory of the wrath herring, where the first of all doesn't actually mean one of the other brothers. I think it's going to be Splinter. I think Splinter's going down. Wrath loses his cool over it and goes to I guess kill Splinter's killer, which we're pretty sure is going to be Karai, and then I think Leo is going to feel guilty about it, and he's going to eat it next, and hopefully they finally give Donatello the honorable death uh, that he's so overdue for. It's like, you know, he's not coming out of this alive, but hopefully he's not the first to fall this time. Sorry, Donnie fans.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, we did get an image from IDW, and from, uh, I think Tom Walls had shared it, where we have uh, Mike and Don bringing in in a very badly beaten and bloody uh splinter they're bringing it into the room where Rath is so um, you know, that was one of the ones that that uh, I had shared with you guys today. So, we do know that there's something that's going to happen to Splinter. We know that eventually he's not going to make it. So, does he, you know, uh buy the farm there or is it going to be something where, you know, he goes on a little bit and they they extend the story out? But I think there's an maybe he'll be
2: chance. like when they when you think maybe when they're bringing him in during that scene um where he's in- <clears throat> injured, uh maybe Raph goes off then while they're still working on on splinter and and you know uh maybe splinter uh, survives this moment and raf falls and then you know then it's the domino effect where uh, i like i like the idea of raf and then leo and then donnie um in that order so
1: we did see we did see the other spoiler art and we don't see leo in this picture there's the other spoiler part where he's got his trench coat on so maybe it is again the case of the red herring and leo's going out Because, you know, he I I don't want to say that, you know, Leo loves Splinter more than the other brothers, but I think that he was closer with Splinter than all the rest of them, because Splinter was always kind of grooming him to take his place is the way I felt. And it's
2: like, you know, Leo was the leader.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, you know, he he's often depicted as the oldest and it's like, you know, he might feel honor bound to go. You know, avenge Splinter, or you know, it's like you know, one of your family members comes home bookered up. You know, you're going to be out for blood. Uh, you know, especially, especially,
0: yeah, No, I I can understand that, and I, I think that's a common misconception about Leo. I think that the other turtles have interests that lie outside of their father, outside of their yeah. master. Where I think Leo's interests are that of the the psychology of martial arts, the um, the you know, tea ceremonies, the. The martial arts training and like all all of the meditation, all of that stuff. So I think that's really in Leo's area of interest. That's why I think that he and Splinter can relate on levels that the others can't, not because he loves him more or anything like that. I mean, of course, Splinter is going to have a close relationship with the, the turtle that's most interested in what he does. You know, it doesn't mean that he loves Leo more than Raph, but Raph goes off and wants to hit a punching bag or ride a motorcycle or something like that. And, and Leonardo's like, I would like to sit and learn how to, you know, transcendentalize uh, meditation, you know, so it's it, I always felt it was something like that. And Leo kind of had a bad rap. Now, yeah, that said, some- this is Mirage Ninja Turtles, too. So this is this is the old versions of them. So it's like we're getting that hot Raph who's going to go off and do something silly. We're getting, you know, Donatello who builds machines, but doesn't necessarily, you know, um, you know, he's not like playing video games and stuff like that with Michelangelo and Michelangelo's maybe drawing comic books and all that. That's like the kind of tropes that they had back in those days. So we're, we're not getting the IDW turtles or the Fred Wolf turtles, as they call them. Yeah. And if you look at some of the some of the stuff, the uh
1: Leonardo practices Bushido a lot, so he very well may feel honor brand, honor bound and more in touch with his, you know, I guess um uh ho- the Hamato side of the um traditions
2: and all and it's like his heritage, I would say. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, he's into that, into the, like the the history and, and all of that sort of thing. So, so I'd say you know just a, a little defense there for Leo because everyone thinks of him as kind of like oh you're such a suck up. It's like I think it's just his interests. So, but um the interesting thing about this is we've seen the original cover for this, which. Um, we were discussing this a little bit off air that there was some sort of agreement where when they switched artists, they weren't going to keep the art for the second issue, which was the sinking a, sigh. a sinking sigh with the air bubbles around it going into water. But we've also seen a preview for the third issue. And the third issue is one of Leonardo's blades and it has like Casey Jones mask hanging from it. So and I think it's like um might have like a bandana or something like that. So. Is that leading us towards where we have, you know, first of all, and then we have the next one going in the third issue? Because this is only what was it was at five or six issues. So it's it's going to be something where it's like it's going to happen. It's going to happen quickly. And I have a feeling that we're going to get some we're going to get some action that is now like a little bit. But I think everything is going to be flashback mostly or at least or at least half of the book is all flashbacks. This oh, next yeah, issue. Yeah, I think this one yeah. is.
2: Yeah, def- I think so, too.
1: Yeah, I think issue two is going to be issue two is going to be flashback to 10 years earlier, um, because if, if you catch that, you know, we talked about this a little bit, too. if you catch that throwaway line uh, when he's talking to Karai's cryogenically frozen bodies, like, you know, I thought I got rid of those mutants or those reptiles, you know, nearly a decade ago. So <clears throat> Mikey's been training somewhere outside the city or he's been outside the city for 10 years. And, you know, everything's been going on inside of what is a new New York or <laughs> uh,
0: what, I know what, it's what? it's the island of Manhattan. Um, oh, OK. I, but uh, but what do you think is going on with April? Because it looks like she's got access to medical supplies in the sewer there, wherever she has our our Ronin. I feel
2: like well, she's like a resistance leader. Or, yeah, that you know. that would
0: sort of make sense. Yeah. yeah I mean, no like one, You don't see No her. one just has
1: that. No one just has that lying around in a sewer. Yeah. At that, it's like this was underground. And I'm trying to remember: was she? It's been a while since I have read the first, the first Mirage. Was she a reporter or was she the lab assistant
0: in-, in? In the Mirage books, I don't believe that she was a reporter. I think that she was a uh, like a computer systems analyst or something like that. That um that worked with um I want to say I don't know if it was Baxter that she worked for, but it might have been. But she had a different. She had a different sort of job. She wasn't a reporter.
1: Ah, oh, yes. Good old bastard backstab Baxter Stockman.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Funny that we mentioned him because in yeah. the solicitation, they're telling us that um, an unlikely ally for the Ronin will be mis- none other than Mr. Baxter Stockman.
1: Yep. So the Absolute question is is, that, yeah. is, he supplying, is he supplying the medical equipment? Um, is he supplying, you know, is he playing both sides, you know? Because like we, you know, we talked about this again a little bit off air, and we should have really saved some of this for on the air, because now it's going to feel rehearsed. Um, But with with Baxter, you know, it's like he's always came across some sort of body horror or disfigurement, or once the Shredder's done with him, or thinks he's done with him, or fails him, Baxter finds himself in a sticky situation. And it's like, I think that he feels like as long as he keeps himself useful, you know, his his... Life still has value to uh, uh, Hiroto. It was a, a ro- Roko
0: Hiroto? It yeah. is a mouthful to say, yeah, it, it is. It's it's a tough one. I, I, I think of him as um, sort of a Herbert West character, you know, where, where actually for a little bit he kind of looks like Herbert West, it's just yeah. you know that the <laughs> mustache and he's the wrong color, but past that, he is morally gray. Completely ambiguous as to what he'll do and his motivation. It's only what serves him, and he uh, he goes to the highest bidder. And he's an utter coward. These are the things that you can see in every version of Baxter that there has been, whether it's the cartoon or the comic.
1: Yeah, i, I made I made the joke one time about you know was was him turning into a worm too on the nose, and that's why they chose a fly. Like <laughs> you know, how menacing how menacing is how menacing is a worm? I guess it's a little less menacing than a fly, but I mean, you know, it's like flies often get swatted, but
0: uh, unless you're, you you're in fetal juice, right?
1: <laughs> I think they went with a fly for like, you know, the actual the fly
2: reference, like, um, like a, the fly ref. Yeah. Let me, let me ask you this, since this is like in set into the future, you know, and, and how aged April is, you know, Baxter, he's going to, he's up there in age. Um, do you think we're going to see him in human form? Or do you think maybe he's transcend that? Do you think I don't can- think there's a chance we see him in human form. I think he
0: is a head in a knoptic jar or something along those lines. Kind of like AI. Exactly. He's, yeah.
1: Yeah. I can't allow yeah, that's you to see. what I'm, do that. I'm looking like, to
0: see. Like an Artem Zola sort of thing where, you know. Yeah. He, and and awesome. I mean, that sticks with Andy's prediction of some sort of like body horror where, you exactly. know, he's, he's some sort of cyborg. And oh. they've done it in almost every every version where he's had some sort of uh, augmentation, whether he's a fly or whether he's a, a head he's so in a jar. Well, yeah, it, I don't think they've done that one yet. But <laughs> I'm <you> know, crying. <laughs> I, I love him in um, in the 2012 series where he just kind of goes and he becomes a fly. But like before that, he's just this guy that accidentally gets a hold of this technology and builds a suit, and the suit's really good. And he's really good at what he does. But you can see from the beginning that he's not a good moral character because right. like he's cruel cool and he does things that are like, oh, get out of here. And like like the guy would kick a puppy to do what he wanted. Yeah. And it's like, well, that's not a good guy. But he's just misguided. And then he becomes eviler as as it goes on. So I really I really like that uh, that version played by Phil Lamar.
1: Yeah, but didn't we did we see flying Mousers? So I mean Spots oh, and Tech is Still around.
2: Um we saw two different versions of the Mauser. It was like a the, the flying ones and then like a a bigger, bulkier version. Yeah, and that's the one that nearly yeah, took Ronan out. out the window, they, yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, the the mock whatever Mega Mauser. I do believe he took that one
2: out Moucher. with Donnie's staff, I I want to say. I think when you see him landing on the concrete, you can see like the robot's arm, the Mauser's arm or something. You can see it all like, just barely in the corner of the panel, I think.
1: Here we go. I got it. So, Oroku has him build all these mousers, all these upgraded mousers, these flying mousers, and then disposes of them outside of the city. He limps his dying body and finds where Mikey's hiding out. Mikey downloads them into a metalhead body, and that's where he's getting <laughs> all this tech from. The EMPs, all this stuff. So now we've got Baxter...
2: Metalhead. Metalhead? Oh man. That blows my mind. That's
0: that's essentially a fugitoid a, right there, right? And
1: he's adopted he's adopted the uh the moniker Krang, so now he is the Krang.
0: Oh jeez. I don't know. That that might be a bit a, a bridge too far there, but I, I like what you're saying in terms of him providing the Foot Clan with their uh information and their uh, technology. And clearly, like when you look at these at these augmented cyborgs that they have, they've definitely been touched by some sort of technology. And I'd like to point out that they all look like snake eyes. Like if you see the face and all that. So, mm-hmm. which is yeah. ironically
1: because oh, yeah, there's that's, that's another
0: IDW comic right now. Right. There's Surprise. dudes Surprise. in their
1: suits. They're not, they're not all machine, or um, man. They,
0: yeah. They, oh, ad- absolutely. And I think, I think actually he fought a woman too. Like um, one of the, one of the cyborgs that he fights, which is the elite really fast one. In um, before he gets to the giant mouse that puts him out the window, oh my I believe is actually a woman. So,
1: what if they're clones? What if they're just all Karai clones and and Saki clones, or
0: or you know just a Roku clones of some sort? Now that's that's an interesting thought, but I'll just re- I'm going to rebut it with this: we what we get of this character, he is a scene chewing narcissistic villain. With something like that, I don't see him with cloning, mommy issues. I don't see him cloning his mom for that reason. It, mm-hmm. it seems like he's looking for her approval, very much like Doctor Dune style. But yeah, I yeah. don't, I don't see him going to the lengths of cloning. And if he doesn't have Baxter in his pocket, then I, I don't see, I don't see that happening.
2: You make a good point, Justin. He yeah. he doesn't seem like somebody that would yeah replace his mother with with clones or or any of that such.
1: Well, that's an interesting theory. So we're speculating that the bad guys are getting their tech from a bad guy. But where's Mikey getting all this yes. extra weapon training?
0: And where's he getting his tech from? So, you know, because he's got those those two batons there, the, uh, the tonka oh, oh,
2: oh, that he, yeah. hits,
0: he hits together and creates that EMP pulse. So that's, that's kind of a good question. Like, where did he get that? Is that a holdover from his days with Donatello? Is that something that was there and not tested? You know, um,
1: are we are we going to find something out in the flashback that over the 20 years that they had together from the Mirage comics till the first of all starts? You know, were they cross training with weapons or has this happened in the last 10 years? And Mikey has been meditating because we're seeing a lot of meditation covers. yeah, Yeah, a lot of astral projection spirit covers. And we are yet to see that in the book the only time he communes with his brothers that you can see them is in the, uh, the fever dream while he's, you know, in, in intensive care.
2: Yeah. At the um, end of the book.
1: So, you know, like you said, you know, Splinter proved he can actually project. He's done it in the books. He's done it in the movies. He's done it in just about every, every installment ever. Leo, you know, probably was trying. Um, I know in some of the books he's managed to achieve, it. I think even Donatello achieved it once. Um, you know, after they blew the candles on a cake out. <laughs>
0: well, well, here's, here's the thing too, Andy. You're talking about communing with those fever dreams and such. This is not the first time this has happened to Michelangelo. One of the stories that I recommended to you was called Soul's Winter, right? Where the turtles look that very different. Trip. Yeah, it's really trippy. It has to deal with like like uh, the crow and like sh- shuttling your, your soul off to the afterlife. And Shredder is like not exactly the same, and and he comes back to save the soul of Michelangelo, whose hand is cut off at the hands of uh, uh, some samurai from the foot. And the entire story takes place in this little micro-universe, and then it goes very, like, Bob Newhart-style where, oh my god, that was a dream, and you get to the end. Very similar to kind of, like, that little sequence that was going on. And that's just two pages of of, uh, panel maybe even one page of panel. Was it a uh, page 39 or something like that? Right. I one think it was page. a
2: full spread.
0: Yeah. So it was like, okay, what the heck is going on here? But this is not the first time that it's happened. And I mean, that happened back in 1992. I want to say,
2: wow.
1: but, but what we, what we do have to remember is this is again, the mirage turtles. These are the turtles we grew up with. It, it's a throwback to, you know, pre pizza back when it was, you know, beer and violence. And it's like, you know, we, we we're going to get some dark stuff out of this yeah. book. I don't think they're I don't think they're going to fade to black. I don't think they're going to pull any punches. These turtles are going down and it's going to be bloody and it's going to hurt and regardless of who your favorite or who your least favorite turtle is, not saying that you hate any of the turtles, just saying, you know, it's there's four of them, somebody's got to come in last. Um
0: I was thinking no one's done a kill count yet for Last Ronin that I've seen. Maybe we should start one of those, do a kill count for the first book and then into the second book. Are you talking about bodies in general or who's... Well, I'll put it this way. He, he drives a motorcycle into a fuel tank with two workers on the side that I am pretty sure do not get out in time based on the size of that explosion. <laughs> so I'm just
1: going <laughs> to... It was enough to propel him up what 50, 50 yeah. stories of yeah. the building. Like I mean,
2: he's like <laughs> exactly so. And, um, yeah, he ain't, he ain't a light turtle either.
0: No, no, a- absolutely not. And I mean, even if they're five feet tall, and you know, to carry that mass that they have, they've got to be you know pretty hefty. So, and careful I mean, your
1: Donatello is
2: showing and all that gear <laughs> that he's carrying.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like, and even, um, I assume it was Raf or Leo who was talking to him when they said, you know, in a, a turtle armed to the hilt with weapons, uh, yeah. walking on foot, you know, it's going to take you forever. So that's a good point. So let's see, we've, we've talked about, uh, those aspects of it. Um, how do we figure the other characters are going to fit in here? Cause we, we talked about, um, April O'Neil being kind of a re- resistance fighter. We don't really have many other characters other than the villain and Jones. We don't know much about Jones. Um, Yeah, we were trying
1: to figure out what her lineage is as far as, you know, Casey's offspring, Casey's niece, Casey's
2: cousin, sister.
0: What do you guys think? Is is it going to be on the nose? Is it going to be Casey's direct
2: descendant? I think it kind of is on the nose. I mean, look, the first time you see her, they directly call her Jones, like Jones, somebody stole your bike. Mm -hmm. And that immediately makes you think of Casey Jones. Yeah, And then at the end of the book, she's the one who finds the Ronin. And when he passes out, he wakes up and she's not there. April's there. So obviously Jones knows April because she brought the Ronin to April. So there, I think it's a little on the nose. Um, but you know, I don't think there's anything wrong with that either. Yeah, I, I agree
0: with you. And and one of the things that Andy was saying uh, yesterday about this, when we were talking about it, was that it's a 10-year time frame, right? So anybody that would be here. So we'll assume she's in her 20s, right? So she well, would have had to be...
2: I think that's a 10 years from their death, I think. I don't think that's a 10 year... Because uh, he, he mentioned that 10 years since he's exterminated the last mutant, is what he was referencing. Okay. So, so then
0: that, that opens us up to an even longer timeline, then. Exactly. Exactly. Ah. Yeah, I don't, the April
2: looks more, she looks aged more than 10 years, in my opinion. It's, it's 30 years total, but but okay, yeah, from, yeah.
1: from first of for my understanding, from first of all, whenever the last turtle bites it is, you know, whenever the last slices eat, uh, that's that's when the 10 year clock is going to start, give or take a couple of months. OK, um, but yeah. So April's probably, you know, what, close to 40 there. I and think she's, she, some, she's
0: older than that. I would think time, so I would times, be in her times hit her
1: pretty hard by the time by the time Ronan rolls around.
0: I mean, she looks like Kitty Pride in uh, Days of Future Past, like the mm-hmm. the older version of it. So it's like they went out of their way to show that she has aged by adding those lines to her face and, and such. But here's the thing. She doesn't look infirmed. She's not she's not like elderly. So it, it's one of those things where it's like, OK, she can still fight. She's still in reasonable shape. So, OK. So and we
2: she's figure- weathered, too. You know, I mean, like, look at other characters that they've aged. Like, uh, you know, look at look at um, Barbara Gordon when they've aged her up you know they they can make characters look old without uh she, April looked like she's been through some shit yeah
0: yeah I agree
2: I agree
1: well, let's let's just throw some throw some numbers out here let's theoretically say that April was between 18 and 21 when the Mirage comics ended fast forward 20 years that puts her late 30s early 40s Another ten years on top of that puts her late forties, early fifties.
0: Yeah, I think she's I think she's late fifties, if if that, if not early sixties.
2: Yeah, I would put her. I would put her around mid fifties to early sixties. From just my that's from what my take was.
0: Yeah, and and maybe it's because she has seen some some better days and all that, but um, I think that they're going out of their way to tell this story visually and get, letting us kind of fill in the gaps on that part. And and it's going to be interesting, too, to see who else we get, because we have we have Karai, who is frozen in that uh, cryogenic uh, chamber, who may actually be dead. So she may be just flat out dead Walt Disney style, you know, um, being being kept in there.
2: And she doesn't look as old as April.
0: She does not. But it was making me think, too, if this was 10 years, did she have a 10 year old son that nobody knew about?
2: Hmm.
1: Yeah, or was it you know a case of of Kill Bill where she's pregnant while she was going on the assassination run for these turtles?
0: Um, that's weird. It, you know, that's well, that's no, like a whole no, other.
1: That's let's back it up here. That's impossible because he himself said that he thought that he eliminated those turtles ten years ago. So he
2: doesn't say turtle he, though.
0: He say he says he mutants. did say mutants. You're right. Yeah. So was the he the last
1: mutant? Was he uh, you know uh an artemis uh Artemis foul child genius you know so it, it, your point is there's a twenty year jump between when we leave the mirage and when the, this picks up so he could be anywhere from you know six to twenty six give or take um by the time first of fall rolls around or he's speaking as you know i as in you know the the clan um mm-hmm.
0: Unless More he's brand. unless well, he's he the clone, a- guys. And that's that's a, a point yeah. too. Unless he's a clone.
1: Yeah. Uh. uh with with a name like a that. Place. Yeah.
0: I mean, that's that's certainly a twist. And I mean, if that's the case, I mean, that would explain why a lot of bad stuff is going on.
2: Yeah, I, I like that. I, that's. Uh, yeah, I yeah. don't know why well, that's never if, crossed my mind.
1: If we're talking about, also, if we're talking about, you know, the ability to ask, project, and, you know, send your spirit through the void, let's say it is some kind of weird shredders like, you know, I want to be a mortal stalkman, you know, make me a body. And then when he dies, he puts his soul in this new body, but why keep his daughter alive?
0: I'm going to stop you there, Andy, because that is literally the story of the IDW series. Oh. So like they even go to the point of trying to reanimate his dead headless body and splinter is, is hiding his skull and all that. And they bring him back and he is an immortal being, you know, from like, so it's like, yes, what you're saying, absolutely. But that is the, IEW, the IDW series. So I don't see that happening here, but good call, man.
2: <laughs> that, that is good too. And I would be more on board with it. If it wasn't for that one scene of him with, Uh, his mother. Uh, That just doesn't seem like Shredder would be speaking that way towards Karai. Well,
0: if if you're familiar with like the lore for X twenty three, right? So X twenty three is a clone, but it's a female clone of Wolverine. So right. it's it's using uh, two different or even Superboy, you know, Superboy is technically uh, Superman and Lex Luthor mixed together. Right. So right. you don't you yeah. don't get the exact mix of like, oh, this is a Superman clone. So but similarly with with X-23. So I get my,
2: you. I get my, you. Okay. My
0: thought, maybe it's Karai and him mixed. Um but I don't know. You know, it's, it's kind of crazy because we don't have enough information about that. And I honestly couldn't tell you as much about the Mirage Karai as I could about any of the other ones. There's a really great series called TMNT Universe that had some awesome Karai stuff. So it has some some really good stuff there. But, you know, is she is she technically the Shredder's daughter or is she just a student or anything like that? I don't know enough about it to tell you yay or nay. And we know this is kind of an independent thing where it's um it, it's like an else
2: worlds right yeah they did take their own thing and ran with it yeah so so there's those and aspects
1: the other question is where's casey coming? in and we keep talking about jones but yeah. we're, we're forgetting the original jones like yeah you see his mask you know they've let us they teased us to believe that he may very well make it to issue three or he eats it at the end of issue two and then issue three is you know the aftermath and maybe all the turtles eat it issue but that seems kind of rushed
0: I love yeah, Casey. I mean, how is I mean, Casey not the first to fall? I mean, seriously, you got to give it to this guy for his, his survival because he just googala straight into everything. It's like, how the heck did he survive? You guys ever read Body Count? I can't believe he made it out alive. You know?
1: So, okay, so here's the new theory Leo goes, Raph goes, Casey shows up, Donnie and Link are the only two left, and then he, you know, where's my little green friend at? And he's not there. Donnie tells him, Casey goes, gets him full self killed. Mikey goes out for a pizza. Donnie's fiddling with his machine. Somebody comes in, mows Donnie down in traditional Donnie dying style. Nothing glamorous. Mikey comes Uh, in, he's scraping Donnie off the walls.
0: Come on, Andy. I'm going to tell you, I I have a theory for how Donatello goes, and I will reserve that for a future episode as long as he doesn't go in in this issue. Year, but so. I, I have a theory on how he's going to go, and I'll, i tell
1: you, you what: record it and send it to me, and I'll keep than, the file safe.
0: Yeah, Eddie keeps going back to the uh, the urban legends turtles, where where Donnie just oh. gets blasted in the kitchen.
1: Panel <laughs> one, like yeah. open the comic. Like, hey, what's going on here?
0: He survi- He survives him? enough enough after getting taken and he falls out of a helicopter and becomes part cyborg to basically save his life so it's, it's kind of crazy and convoluted but huh. it happened so we have to accept Donnie, it a
1: machine, I guess.
0: yeah and, and Splinter uh, becomes uh, a bat magically so that's a or, thing uh, the, other the other, other, other things like, have happened yeah. Yeah. They,
1: kill, they kill Raph they capture Leo and Donnie and they make them fight to the death
0: Well, my, my question is guys they said mutants who's the other mutant the only other mutant I can think of is Splinter. I mean, because you have you have Leatherhead, and you have um, who who else in the Mirage series? I mean, they had like Savanti Romero, but he was he was magic. Or they had they were the um, animals. No, no, that's not Mirage. No. That's that's Archer. Yeah. There's so yeah. there's no Mondo Gecko. There's no Ray Flay. Um, there's no. I mean, I, I don't even think there was really a Rat King, to, so to speak. But I mean, for mutants, it's like they did not have a slash. They I'll say
2: have, no either, right? No, here. there there
0: wasn't. Yeah, I mean, so that's that's the thing. I just it's got me wondering, like, who was the other one? Because I don't even recall a Rocksteady and Bebop. No,
1: Nope, because I thought they were introduced for the cartoon. And uh, one of the things Peter was like, "I'm not." If it was if it was left out to me, there would have been no pizza and no, uh, no mutant sidekicks.
0: Yeah, I mean it's it's one of those things where what we got was a little bit different than what they originally intended, but I, I think it's all worked out. And I mean, the only time it really hasn't worked out is for the last mutation, where it's kinda like, okay, that didn't work out, but it led to something else really cool. And now we have Jenica, who's a really cool character. So
1: Shitty from the block. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's that's absolutely true. Oh,
1: so okay. So fast forward to the, the the very last the very last comic how we think this is going to end and i am sticking by this i'm sticking by this B- final battle takes place in an abandoned still mill and mikey has you know finally avenged his family And he tells April, you know, there's only one there's only one mutant left. And, you know, it's got to end this way. And he lowers himself down into the molten vat of ooze and just, you know, gives the cowabunga. Nice.
0: Terminator 2 style. (laughs) Yeah, that's great.
1: Cowabunga, dude. Time portal opens. Metalhead Mikey comes through. Come with me if you want to live. Cowabunga.
0: Oh, you don't think it would go back to the future style and someone would show up and say, I've been waiting 50, 300 years to give this to you. Then you, know? you find out, we got to go back. April, it's about your kids. What? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so, yeah, I think either of those are long shots, but um, <laughs> why not? Nope. Even better. It's Rick
1: Sanchez.
0: <laughs> oh, jeez. I, I sure hope not. You're never gonna well, leave I,
1: this I hope they
2: uh isn't. The final battle. I hope that it gets broadcast across the whole city. Like he wanted, like uh, oh the, yeah, you know he wanted oh, the thunderdome style and the execution and everything being shown to to everybody. You know, I hope it gets flipped and like it, it's his turn. You know, it's it's his uh, oh Hunger uh, Games style. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That would be that would be
0: great, and and I mean they've already they've already kind of opened the door for that, so I don't see why not. Yeah.
2: Exactly. Yeah, because so, they were
1: they were broadcasting the the there was cameras everywhere and and you know they were yeah,
2: watching he, the. He wanted them to uh, the whole thing. He he wanted them to uh, film the them tracking the Ronin and catch capturing him. He wanted him. that body. Yeah. Oh yeah. He wanted that body or his captain's and wasn't, body
1: And it wasn't just because this was the last bowl of turtle soup he was ever going to have, but he wanted proof of mission accomplished
2: yep now uh, apparently according to the uh couple images i've seen from the next issue the uh hiroto has a new captain also
0: yeah i'm sure he didn't uh, stand for that
2: (laughs) yes the last captain did not make it past issue one you have failed me for the first time for the last time (laughs) it's so unfair (laughs)
0: i'm calling hr so um just to shift gears here we were talking about this um Individual covers. On the first uh, issue, there was 69 covers, of which now I have 13. So looks like now individual designed covers, there are 26. So what that means is there's multiple versions of some of these covers that are going to be either um, like a virgin variant that will not have the title, will not say Last Ronin on it. Uh, There's going to be some that are Ashcan, and Ashcan is, is basically when it's black and white. You know, it's not colored. There are some specific ones, like um, like the one from uh, the Bish Kids uh, Ben Bishop's uh, website there, that are going to be. It looks like there's there's 50 of these that are going to be pressed into metal plates. So uh, metal plates adhered to the front of the covers. So those are limited to um, only 50. So those are going to be like an altered sort of chase one.
2: But and those look really really cool.
0: Oh there's yeah. I've one. Yeah, I I agree. I mean we I know Andy I'm and I had a chance to pre-order some.
2: Yeah, they those look really cool.
1: Legend has it that, you know, if you could assemble uh, one copy in each of the four elements <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> glass, metal, wood, wood pressed, and paper, you can summon the last Ronin.
0: Oh, wouldn't that be great?
1: <laughs> so, okay, so here, Michael, after reading the first one and finding it, when you guys read the first, I don't know if we, we talked about this in the first episode or not, when you guys found out who the turtle was, did you read it differently the second? Like, do you read it in the turtle's voice in your head?
2: No. Only because I read it in the sense of the way I'm perceiving this character. Yeah. Yeah, because I don't know so who it is. So. When I first yeah. read
1: it, it was... It was in my head. It was really Clint Eastwood and gravelly. Yeah. Now that I found out it's Mikey, I was, I still couldn't read it in Mikey's voice. It was like, you know, it wasn't, he's not funny. He's, he's, he's real serious. He's, he's really pretty. Yeah. But then we had the fortune of meeting Townsend Coleman uh, <laughs> via yeah. via a video chat and he hit us with his impression of the first Ronin. And uh, let me tell you, I will for now and forever. Uh, that's that's my Mikey, that's my Ronan. That's your
2: Mikey's, Ronan Mikey.
1: Hey, guys, uh, I'm the last one here, I'm
0: Ronan.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: was... oh, I was
1: running late that day, of course I went there, but they didn't like it, so I didn't <laughs> get to be the Ronan for the movie.
0: Yeah, it, it was pretty great when we asked him about it, and he had absolutely no idea, so he was just kind of throwing that out there. You're just winging it, right?
1: What are you guys talking about? I'm, I'm the last. I'm the last one there is. And he you know, was like, you know, <laughs> You're the last one there is."
0: Yeah. <laughs> really yeah. Powerful. That was awesome. But uh, yeah. No, if uh, I I kind of read it like Batman. I mean, if you've seen mm-hmm. the animated Batman: The Dark Knight Returns with Peter Weller, you know there's there's kind of like that aspect. Mm-hmm. But I go back to like like the the New Adventures of Batman and Robin where they did the Dark Knight Returns episode. You know oh, yes. and my god. And he's like now, he's like, this is a surgical table, and I'm the surgeon, you know, and I'm I'm doing it yeah. in that voice because it wasn't yeah. Kevin Conroy, it was like someone else doing the voice for Dark Knight, and I'm like, that's the voice that I hear the Ronin.
1: Yeah, yeah, now yeah. that's stuck that's exactly in my head now. where's the pizza? No,
2: it's where's the pizza? <laughs> where's the pizza? <laughs> I ordered pepperoni on this pizza. If there's anchovy we're gonna be shell
0: to pay. So you hear it as Christian Bale, okay? <laughs> that's, that's a whole. Yeah, we, took a, we took a left turn. Yeah, that's that's a that's a way left oh, turn. But <laughs> I
2: mean, it's 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 well, better than Tom Hardy. That, man, so.
1: that's,
0: that's all I could think of
2: uh, yeah. Oh yes. gosh, <laughs> I, I don't like pineapple on my pizza. <laughs> oh my. Quiet! No more talking! No more
0: discussion! We're out for revenge. <laughs> okay. <laughs>
1: oh my goodness. Yeah, I don't.
0: I don't know about that, but um, I don't know. Um, do you think that there's a good a good answer for who should play this if it's like an audio version? Who would you cast in that character? I hmm.
1: mean, like, I'm, I'm, I'm really leaning into Clint Eastwood, like from Gran Torino, like. Get off my pizza!
0: <laughs> so that's I just,
1: I that's really a like voice that's markedly
0: older. So so it's just just uh, keep that in mind. So maybe Clint Eastwood in in like the eighties or so, because now he's in his eighties or nineties yeah. actually.
2: He has that er, elderly gravelly voice now. Yeah, yeah, and he sounds like you know, an old turtle.
1: I'd, I'd go with uh, I know he's older now, but. I, I i really like to just 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 me fanboying here Kurt Russell
2: oh that's a cool choice that's not a bad choice you know I mean, he's older snake, but he's not snake like Bliskin yeah Ronan like it's it'll do it
0: what, what do you guys think of uh, I, I mean I, I'm not going to argue with that one because I think that's great um, what would you think of a Harrison Ford like specifically, if you've if you've seen him in uh, ah. Cowboys versus Aliens, that's what I would be thinking of. Is the
2: voice too iconic though? Like, I, I mean, yeah, well, I could I could get behind that, but I don't just know. Just throw money I, at it. Why not? I like the Kurt Russell one.
0: Honestly, I I like Kurt Russell, but Kurt I, Russell- I gotta throw another good one. Um, Samuel L. Jackson. So <laughs> you can't go wrong.
2: <laughs> hey, why not?
0: No, I, I think Jackson, Kurt Russell's perfect. Samuel
1: L. Jackson as Stockman.
0: <laughs> I, I think actually you, you hit pay dirt right there, and I, I think that we should we should lobby for a uh, Kurt Russell reading of The Last Ronin. So we'll, we'll have to make action, that a thing.
1: If you're doing a live action, Kurt Russell does the voice, and the guy that played Darth Maul is in the turtle suit.
0: Well, he's short enough, so. <laughs> Who
1: else now, is going to windmill shirking their body through the air?
0: Now the with, other thing uh, that you know, mentioned on this, Andy, was you mentioned that you'd like to see this in a Sin City style black and white film with all green screen, with just a couple different yes. colors in it. I, I think yes, that's the a masks in really color,
1: color. April's raincoat in color. Um, I came across it by accident, both because of the ashcan covers and because um, you know I'm a cheeky little bastard and woke up at like as soon as as soon as Comicology Amazon was like your order is in. I'm like, yep, get yep, not reading it. <laughs> getting up, reading it, reading it, and I found I could f- turn the filter to black and white, and I was like, "Ooh, Mirage comic, uh, homage." Yeah.
0: And, and actually, that's that's a really good point too—that this can be enjoyed multiple ways. And I've read it about six times, you know, including the first day I read it at least twice. And well, um, you can you can put that filter on and read it black and white, which is, is you know What really I've awesome.
1: encountered a lot of the guys in Epic Shells when we offered to hook them up. Or told them like, hey, if you cannot get a physical copy, there's digital. A lot of these guys are such comic book purists that are like, it's paper or nothing. I will wait. I will wait to the yeah. second edition. I will wait to the third edition. And Andy, some of you guys between the like, two
0: of us, we gave out seven copies. <laughs> wow.
1: Yeah we, we actually we actually raffled off we raffled off one. We managed to raise I think almost two hundred dollars for St. Jude just off of the one first printing of Ronin. Um,
2: That's amazing. That's, uh, I mean
0: at least $62 and 99 cents for seven different copies at eight ninety nine a piece. So yeah, just we are committed to getting people to read this story. So that's, that's pretty fun. Um, I don't know if we'll do that again for every issue, but it was at least fun for that. We'll kind of see where it goes. Um, get, getting back to this, getting back to the story, we talked about the covers, um, and, and, um, I know there's there's a big deal with with pre-ordering. Is there anything you can talk to about this with uh, Scott since you're our resident comic expert?
2: What's the uh, what's the word on the street about these uh, books? Um, well, I mean, you can go, you know, your local comic sh- uh, shop is definitely going to carry it. Um, but a lot of the major uh, comic book chains, the the big ones like Midtown Comics, there's a uh, one in Illinois I can't um I can't remember the ones but they all have exclusive covers that you can go on their websites and order through um you can go through artists like um you said Ben Bishop has um is it fish kids yep yeah uh you know you can go to you know they all a lot of them have their own websites that you can specifically order their covers from um and they the price ranges um you know uh, the cover price is what eight ninety nine for the standard um but you can pay all the way up to a couple hundred dollars if you know if you get the, that metal printed uh, comic I'm sure they they run a pretty penny so
1: yeah the metal the metal comic yeah. uh, the blank covers depending on who's slapping their old herbie Hancock on it
2: mm-hmm yeah there's a lot of variables you know getting books graded uh, the autographs and stuff you can order it's, them any any kind of way really now
1: the 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 uh, the, the excuse me, the market limit is going to be who's asking and who's willing to pay. Um, but you're right. You know, the going, the going rate is, you know, cover price. Uh, you know, like I said, our local guy, Luke, um, charges us, you know, cover Uh, price.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, I don't think I paid more than 45 bucks for a single cover. And I mean, I have I have some chase ones. I know that I those know that uh, those B
1: holes. Yeah, you're really right. Metal B holes. I think they're starting at 200, and I think they went all the way up to five. Yeah, but
2: see that's, um, that's
1: like that, that's like you said. Go ahead. It's like a that's like a that's like him doing a drawing on it too. It's not just oh here's here's the issue. It's like it's a metal cover, you know. It's very limited. It's very exclusive. You know, you got to be you got to be in the kids club, which isn't just for kids, but
2: uh, and yeah, you said they only did like fifty of them, right? Yeah, there's a limit of fifty
0: that are made with the uh, metal press covers. So yeah,
2: that's real. I mean, that's a really low count. So I have a one twenty five cover of
0: which, which to me is I can't even believe that I got this, but it's the X Files Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles crossover. So and that's oh, a one no. out of twenty five. That's and about four ninety nine right now on eBay, but that was signed and graded. Which ones? Oh, the one that you saw was. Yeah, that's still a great deal. <laughs> still yeah. a great deal.
2: So, yeah, was it a nine point eight?
1: I didn't notice the grade. Rate? I was. It was close. It was. Yeah. It was no lower than nine point four. But like I said it was signed by Eastman. So, that's yeah.
0: that's really I, I don't know. I, I think that a lot of these are going to get uh, sucked up by the elite collectors, and they're going to get them graded just, um,
2: just so they uh, won't be kind of a, a huge uh, issue. A lot of these exclusives, I think definitely ah. will issue <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think that
0: um, I think that we're going to see a good secondary market for these at comic-cons. when they come back, we'll be able to see them. I think people will be looking for them because there's just not the opportunity. and some of them are, are yeah. even regional because the one like two of the ones actually three of the ones that I ordered came from London. So they, they had to, I had to wait wow. for them to get
2: printed across the pond and then sent over here. So and and you made mention that you picked up your your third cup, your um what was it the third printing to uh, yeah third
0: year. print I did um I picked that up today so it's a black and white cover it looks completely different brand new uh Kevin Eastman cover on it. So I, I don't see why if it's there you wouldn't get it. You know it's I, I, beautiful.
2: I don't see why this won't go for I mean this could go for another five you know Five reprints. Wow! I yeah, why, I don't see why not. You know, I've seen books sell less that have gone to that.
0: And um, I, I was saying um, last mm-hmm. time that we were talking about this, um, hundred and fifty thousand comics sold. So initial ten percent of these that were printed had an error. So they had to be sent back and all that. So it caused some sort of delays. And a lot of retailers didn't end up getting the the variant covers on them. But yeah. 150,000. I mean, I think that that obviously like the X-Men uh, 1E cover is like the, the best-selling comic of all time or something like that. And I want to say that, that this is like a third of that, which is still really good. You know, that's, oh, yeah. that's huge.
2: Yeah, no, this was a, a very good uh – you know, it was a very big seller uh, for 2020. Um, yeah, this comics was this comic was huge. I mean, it still is huge. I mean, it's got so much hype behind it. So, um, and, yeah. um What what were the big it, What were the other big uh, comics of 2020? I
0: know there was the three Jokers and there was uh, Batman Death Metal, but I I can't really think of anything else that was kind of like a huge because the King and Black started in 2021,
2: didn't it? Right. Yeah. There was the lead yeah. up was all, but that just, that started this year. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, there wasn't, there's was really DC's event was the, um, um, the death metal and Marvel did. Um, oh my goodness. What did Marvel was doing? I can't remember. I know they did cross of swords
0: or X of swords with that. Um, I, I can't they think of anything d- else that was really big. Dr. Strange Academy, but still it's, that's not huge. You know? Yeah, it's
2: nothing. Nothing too. Nothing that was is really like making me think of anything. So year before would have
0: been uh, War of the Realms, which which was a big big one that they were coming off of. But really, this is. I mean, it's it's not unrealistic to say that the last Ronin was the most anticipated book of the year.
2: It, yeah, it definitely was. Um, even as a Joker fan, as you guys know, I am. I anticipated this more than three Jokers, um, and I I just feel like that. The last run really didn't have much competition. Like it, not to take away of how great this is or was that was anticipated it to be, but um, like we all well, said, it, there wasn't a lot in twenty twenty going on.
1: Yeah, we've been waiting. You know what, 20, 30 years for the classic turtles to come back. We've seen countless versions of the turtles come and go, and some we hold near and dear, and some you know we just like to bury under, uh, you know, the trash compactor, but um yeah it's like you know we this was this was a long time coming and i think it was originally lost and found and then they redid it and then they redid it again but uh yeah that the the issue two is coming out next week um if there's no foreseeable delays um and in true ronin fashion uh (laughs) let's not follow suit and get this episode out uh Ahead of time, right? Like, <laughs> we don't want to be yeah. late for the party. Uh, yeah. And our predictions, they read the book. Their predictions aren't like right. they read the book.
0: Well, that's um, that's the thing, too. I, I hope that the listeners are just as excited about this as we are. You know, um, it's, it's kind of fun to come on and do these, take a little break from from the storytelling. But I will tell you this there's some awesome stuff going on in the IDW book right now, you know, with uh, uh, Sophie Campbell is doing it. We, we just got our first cover appearance of Toka and Razar. So that's, that is huge. So, and um, I would, I would definitely suggest to anybody, if you're going to get into the turtles run, start at um, issue 100 or start at issue 99 and you'll be caught up with what's going on right now. If not, just uh, listen to the, the podcast from the beginning, from the first episode, and I'll guide you through the whole beginning of the IDW series.
1: All right. Well, I right. think it's time to stick a sigh in this, and we will pick it up after we've each got our hands on a copy and read through it.
0: Well, not so fast. Isn't it time for our Mikey moment of the week?
1: Yes. And to keep with the theme of the, uh, the what did I say, limited, limited quantities of books here. So, Cowabunga, dudes! It's time for your Mikey moment of the week! Now, remember! There's nothing wrong with picking up an extra copy of The Last Ronin for one of your bros, but don't be afoot and take them all, dudes. Save one for the next guy, because you're not The Last Ronin. We'll catch you next week, guys. Cowabunga!
0: That's some some great advice. That way, uh, you know, you you could leave something else for someone on the shelf. And I know my my, uh, comic guy pulls one aside for me, and... Cause I have it pre-ordered and he's like, no one. And then like, I have to literally leave and come back a week later. Then I can buy another one because he just finally ran out of the the second printing. So I I went and looked on the wall. I I like to kind of slip in and be like, Oh, do I grab another one? He's like, well, how many did you buy? I'm like, well, in total, I bought three and I gave two away. He's like, Oh, okay. Okay. You know? So.
1: Yeah, don't, don't be a Baxter and sell for the highest bidder. Like, you know, if you're picking yeah, out no. for a friend at cost and they offer a finder's fee, totally fair. Take that finder's yep. fee and apply it to the next book you're buying. Then you can continue to hook them up or hook up another person that didn't get one. But like, don't profit off of someone else's hard work. That's just not cool, dudes.
2: Yeah. yeah. No, I, you gotta I mean, be a good guy.
0: And speaking I think for of, for collectors and, and things like that, um, there's there's enough to go around of this one. Obviously, some covers are going to be more valuable than others. I know Andy, you said that you picked up the uh, the ponies one by Justin Roiland. That one's going for a pretty p- penny right now. And I've got the Miko m one.
1: Traded for that one. I, that cost me nothing out of pocket. Um, one of the Epic Shells members hooked me up with that. And like I said, speaking of stand up guys in comics, Scott Cromer has just launched nice. his facebook page today well, group really? actually i it's did Bright it's shiny. Is bright is shiny as new
2: <laughs> you guys sing a little song for me now <laughs> don't <laughs> no, don't tempt me.
1: he, 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 he your guy he your guy for that one
0: <laughs> so so we have uh um, what's the name of of the group there scott and uh tell us what it's all about
2: uh it's chrome comics like the metal like the google but not affiliated um so yeah we do everything comic book related um you know i uh i will show new comic books i get, pick up every week i welcome anybody else to show the comics that they are reading or picking up every week um i also will grade comic books you can mail them to me and i will get them graded for you and get them back to you at a reasonable price um and yeah we just do everything comic books over there that's awesome
1: and i am tell you what i 100 percent support endorse stand behind scott i've known scott for uh, a ronin's age <laughs> 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 you know, i'm saying i'm saying scott is a real stand-up guy when it comes to comics he's not all jokes aside you know i know we we, we rib him a little bit about you know being you know the clown prince of comics um but he, he really is he's a good guy and he's not gonna he's not gonna pull a stock on
0: so uh a quick question about comics scott i know that we're looking for um the Joker number one coming out soon. Do you have any insight on
2: that one? Um, or is it still well, too I mean, far? It's a little, yeah. It's little, there, I've seen uh, some covers that I want to get some exclusive ones. Um, there's a Neil Adams one that he's doing an exclusive, um, a throwback to uh, um, uh, Joker's Wild, Wild Ride. Which but, is um,
0: actually, um, that's sponsored by our friend Rob's, uh, comic book store, uh, who actually commissioned that. Yeah. yeah. Well, there you go. The, well, that's state a of, cool plus. the state of comics ones. So shout out to Mr. Rob Denner.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I see. I want, I want to get my hands on that. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's a little, it's a little off from now. So, uh, there's still plenty of times, uh, plenty of time to, uh, you know, go through the covers that are out right now that are, that they have released to, uh, if there's something that you like, and uh, we can pre-order it for you, that's
0: outstanding. Uh, where can folks find you? Uh, obviously, there's Chrome Comics, which is on Facebook. Um,
2: do we have an Instagram, Twitter, any of that kind of stuff? Uh, we have Chrome Comics on Instagram. Um, I think that's uh, I, I think it's Instagram and Facebook for now. Um, but Perfect.
1: yeah, and don't be discouraged by the virgin appearance of the the Graham. Big things are coming.
2: Absolutely. Yes, we are. We are in our infancy state. So we are still growing and learning and yes, we are pizza, trying pizza. Th- <laughs> <laughs> we are striving. to provide <laughs> a uh, pleasant experience in the comic book industry for you guys. Well, on that note, I want to thank you guys
0: for joining me again for this. Uh, hopefully we can get together for the third issue, which will probably be released sometime in July. <laughs> so <laughs> I Uh-oh. kid, I kid. It's it's going to be before oh that. Hopefully, hopefully uh, May or something. But um, I, I did see that uh, on his on his page today, uh, Mr. Ben Bishop was uh, starting to work with the script of Last Ronin issue number three. So, so some good stuff there. But um, I look forward to it. I want to thank you guys again for coming on to uh, Epic Tales from the Sewers.
1: Yep, and if you guys can't wait to get your next turtle fixed, you can always check me and Justin out over at Epic Shells Facebook group. Let us be the central sewer hub to take you down the pipes to all your turtle
2: needs. <laughs> that was that was nice, Andy. That was nice.
0: Absolutely, I, I liked it. That's uh, a nice, a uh, nice bookend to this. So again, <laughs> I, uh, couldn't,
1: I couldn't get to the toilet flushing quick enough. To- <laughs> yeah, <you could. laughs> cut his mic. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, this is Adam, a.k.a. Casey Jones from Casey Jones Livewire, and you're listening to Epic Tales from the Sewers. Time for a knuckle sandwich, punk. It's pizza time.
0: And now in a segment we would like to call Pizza Time, here's Mr. Andy Doyle with a real-life pizza recipe from the Ninja Turtles cookbook or a description of one of the pizzas that was either seen in the episode or in the comic. It's pizza time. Ninja Turtles, get ready! It's an attack, a snack
1: attack, a crunchy snack attack. It's a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle piece of Crunchyburger. Snack
0: attack, a snack attack, Jack, going to pieces over crunchy little pizza! A snack attack, piece of Crunchyburger snacks. Sounds like a crunchy snack attack, dude. I take on any ninja who takes my crunchy food. Piece of Crunchyburger. Want some? Got some? Awesome. Thank you for listening to the Epic Tales from the Sewers podcast. The Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles were created by Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird. This podcast has no affiliation with Eastman, Laird, IDW, Archie Comics, Nickelodeon Studios, or any other turtle properties. This podcast is part of the Epic Sewers Podcast Network. Check out our other great shows, both turtle-related and not. Epic Tales from the Sewers is recorded by Justin Cooper with featuring Andy Doyle. <laughs>
1: I'm here to tell you guys about a positively radical offer from the Bish Kids Club. Hey, did you dudes know that there's a monthly club for collector kids of all ages, not just soft shells? It gets delivered in quarterly boxes loaded full of club-only exclusives. All of this right from the TMNT artist of The Last Ronin, the bodacious Ben Bishop himself. Check it out, dudes. It's totally Epic Shells approved. Cowabunga! Hey there, this is JB, and if you enjoy Tales from the Crypt, then check out my show, Tales from the Podcast, where myself, and usually a very special guest, sit down to discuss the TV show, the films, the animated series, as well as the original comics. So check me out every other week on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, and of
0: course at talesfromthepodcast.com. Thanks for listening, kiddies. You're all a scream. <laughs>
2: uh.
0: Hi, everyone. This is Justin from the Fantastic Podcast. It's a show all about fan experiences from the things that we love. So, whether it's your favorite musician, your favorite actor, maybe it could be about your favorite sports team, or maybe just uh, someone that you spent time with watching something that you loved when you were a kid. These are the kind of stories that we talk about. We uh, usually do a couple stories, and uh, it's a shorter podcast, so you can listen to it on lunch at work. So, uh, please check us out at the Fantastic Podcast. You can find us where most podcasts are found. You can also find us on uh, social media. Thanks a lot, and check out the fantastic podcast. Are you looking for a gift for the nostalgic nerd in your life? Try a candle from the Euphoric Tree Fort. Nostalgic novelty gifts for nerds.
1: From birthdays to holidays, or just because, waft these Smell-O-Vision candles with fragrances from your favorite shows, such as
0: Bob's Burgers, Simpsons, Dr. Seuss, Rick and Morty, Futurama, Adventure Time, Harry Potter, James and the Giant Peach, The Nightmare Before Christmas, Coraline, The Rugrats, Steven Universe, My Hero Academia, Dragon Ball Z, One Punch Man, Pokemon, Death Note, and Fairly Odd OddParents. These soy
1: candles won't gunk up your walls because they're dye-free, cruelty-free, and soot-free. Also, free souvenirs in every order over $20 and free shipping on orders over
0: 75 with exciting scents like Nog, featuring eggnog and brandy, Christmas in Hooville, fir tree, peppermint bread and sugar plum, truffula tree, butterfly milk and birch tree, mmm, donuts, donuts and pink icing, and the ever-popular Macon Bacon Pancakes, featuring bacon and buttermilk pancake and maple.
1: They say that smell is the strongest sense tied to memory, and if these candles don't make you nostalgic, nothing will. And remember, if you use promo code E-T-F-S-10, you'll get a discount.
0: Check out the website, euphorictreefort.com, for smell-o-vision candles and nostalgic gifts. Don't forget to use our code.
1: Ahoy, adventurers, and welcome to the dungeon! I will be your captain, Ace Diceman. Join me and my first mate, Mr. Cooper, as we set sail on an amazing quest full of fun facts, funny jokes, and some high-sea shenanigans. So climb aboard the Siren Song and let us spin you an Epic Tale. Look for the Epic Tales podcast on Spotify, Breaker, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, and iTunes.